Hi, everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies, because this is Fried Squirms, and that's what we do. Today, we're going to be talking about a real new flick. So new that we usually do these as, like, a quick one-offs, like half episodes and shit. But, like, Warner made sure that this got into a bunch of people's homes by dropping it on HBO Max. So we're like, fuck it, let's just do a full episode. Yeah, why not? So this week we'll be talking about James Wan's 2021 flick, Malignant. But before we get there, I know that we have both already sparked up our J's. However, uh, Danny, what is this weed that I'm smoking on this week? All right, so this week I got you a J of Nick the Bruiser. And for those who are curious, it says, This strain is a whole new kind of dank. It is a... Truly beautiful physical specimen. It says there's uh, more than meets the eye with this selection. So the terpenes ooze from their trichomes, and they are aromatically therapeutic alone. So this particular strain, it does have some unknown origins, but some of the parent strains are Eastside OG and Fire 18. And it is a 60-40% hybrid. It does offer a long-lasting relief. It does help. Two, when it comes to anxiety, arthritis, chronic pain, muscle spasms, and nausea, and people have noted its sweet and floral notes, along with a fuel-like OG funk. Dude, before I even lit it up, I was kind of enjoying just sitting there sucking on it a little bit. I was definitely getting those sweet florals. I was just sitting there like, ooh, ooh, this tastes good. Ooh. So, yeah, those notes all seem pretty correct to me. Nick the Bruiser. All right, so... For you, I mean, I've brought this before, but it's been a bit. So some blueberry silver tip. It's kind of in the name. It's a cross between the legendary blueberry, which I think is just like blueberry kush. Just kind of, you know, people know it's blueberry. Some of that blue. But then crossed with silver tip, Montana silver tip being a Montana strain. Probably my favorite overall strain, which is a cross between uh, GDP and super silver haze. So you get a little bit of both. It's going to be pretty split right down the middle with that parentage. But you get sort of the little bit of floral from the silver tip. But I don't know. I feel like top shelf stuff is always just a little grassy anyway. Like it gets the job done. But taste wise, like it's always just a little bit grassy. So it does a trick. (laughs) So with the green hits out of the way, we do want to remind everyone that we have a Patreon now. Go check that out. I am making sure to actually update it more now, starting this week, since I've had this entire week off just sitting around. And you could have listened to this last week at our lowest level. Our levels also just all got repriced. So our lowest level for only a dollar a month, you could get this a week early. From there, we pop up a couple I mean, at the highest tier, which is only $5 a month, you can talk to us on Discord, and we'll let you know when we're recording. So you could conceivably just, like, ask us questions right now, because you know what's going on. Like, there's a voice channel on Discord. You could be just listening to us right now. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, you could be asking us about what strain we're puffing on, whether we like it or not, send us some interesting news about the movie we're reviewing, all that good stuff. So go check that out. Please consider it. It would help us out greatly. And that's going to be patreon.com slash fried squirms. Super easy to find. I did notice for some reason we don't pop up if you just type fried squirms into Patreon search engine, which is real weird. But like if you just go to patreon.com slash fried squirms, we 
That's us. It's right there. It just pops right up. With that in mind, I suppose we should just get into the guts and bolts of Malignant. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of Malignant? We'll stay spoiler-free for now. That'll come in our next section. We'll get into all of this. We'll start off, though, with a little bit of a setup for a movie. Ooh, do I include the actual opening in my description? I know, it's because it's so new, too. So, I don't know. Because once you know, then that opening makes even more sense. But if you don't... It's not like a big... Tw- There's a twist in this... Yeah. We're, we're not going to get into it now, but no, like... No, but just know there is. Let's just say Madison... That's the very beginning of the movie anyway. Whatever. If you want to watch this movie... I'm not going to get into that part of the setup because it's going to be the first three minutes that you're watching. So the setup for like the main bit of this movie is Madison after experiencing a traumatic miscarriage starts seeing visions of murders that are happening in her city and they seem to be connected to her and her past. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I think that's fair, dude. I think that's a very good brief setup of what this film entails. So, with that, of course, we do like talking about the cast and crew of the films. And this week, as a gentleman, we've talked about several times before. And it is our director. He is one of the writers, he's also a part of the production. He is James Wan, and we've talked about him several times. One time, because we talked about him on episode 43 for Saw where he helped write, direct as well. He also directed The Conjuring when we reviewed that on episode 142, and he helped write the screenplay for Saw 3, even though he didn't direct it or act in it. Right. Yeah, and along with that, he's got a couple of other films of note. Uh, some people might recognize his work in the film Dead Silence. You might have seen his work in Insidious, parts one and two, along with Furious 7. He helped direct Aquaman. He's got the upcoming Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I've already talked about the fact that he's a writer as well, so he comes up again. He helped write The Nun, the story for that. Uh, he was producer on the new Mortal Kombat. Yeah, so he's got his hands on a couple of different projects, man. You know, whether it's writing, directing, producing, etc. He was actually executive producer on that Swamp Thing series that they did. That's pretty awesome. So he was showrunner on that. Nice, man. Good on him. And I think directed the first episode. Oh, shit. Yeah. Awesome. I could see that. That series, like, I'm a big Swamp Thing fan anyway, and we talked about the movie on here along with Zach, my co-host yeah, from General Nerdery. That series gets pretty fucking gnarly as long as you're watching, like, the uncut original version from HBO Max, or at the time it was a DC Universe when it was first put out. That's all just been consumed into HBO Max now, though. And they did recut it to play on the CW. Got you. <laughs> but you know it's going to be edited down. Yeah. It's definitely edited down because they do some gnarly fucking body horror in some nice. some parts of that show. I'm up for that. Yeah. I'll have to check it out when I get some time. All right, so I did mention James Wan is one of the writers, along with Ingrid Bizu. She's actually one of the actresses in this film. She's uh, the wife. I was about to say uh, she's also his wife. <laughs> yeah, which is really cool. And we have Akila Cooper, who helped with the screenplay. I was also like, oh, she's cute. I don't know who she is. I need to know more about her. Yeah, and and I, I looked like, her up, oh. and I'm like, yo, I'm only like two and a half months older than her. 
right? So Akila Cooper, she's got some really cool credits to her name. So some of them are in television shows such as Grimm from 2012 through 2013, which is really cool. If you've ever seen the show The 100, helped on that from 2014 through 15, helped for an episode of American Horror Story back in 2016. It was chapter five that episode helped on luke cage for four episodes from 2016 through 18 and a couple of projects lined up that includes the nun part two and the film megan spelt with a three in place of the e for megan the cinematographer on this is michael burgess this gentleman is known for the films the curse of yorona annabelle comes home and the conjuring the devil made me do it yeah, okay. Yeah, we have editor. So he's done like all the new Blumhouse stuff? Pretty much, yeah. It's like, well, you know, good on them. They're getting some projects. I fucking study work. Yeah, I mean, shit, man. I wouldn't be disappointed if that was my job. You yeah. know what I mean? All right, we have editor Kirk M. Morey, and this gentleman's got some really cool films. I mean, there are a lot of films and series we've talked about which include hellraiser being hellraiser inferno back in 2000 mimic part two from oh, 2001 okay. yeah mimic sentinel as well uh, a couple of the prophecy films that include uprising and forsaken children is, of the is that Revelation. like three and four or something like that Ooh, probably a little bit further in the series too Ooh. i would imagine i know right <laughs> Also responsible for the films Feast and Pulse, uh, along with Pulse 2 and 3, Feast Part 3, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, Insidious, which is really neat, uh, Piranha 3 D, The Conjuring, Furious 7. I was trying to remember. We still haven't covered Insidious, have we? No, we haven't. It's it's like the other one from that time period that we just haven't gotten around to right. yet. Right. It falls in line with something Partially like The Conjuring and stuff. reasons that we've talked about on those other ones. Right. If you know, you know. Also responsible for Aquaman, which is really neat. Okay. We have a gentleman we've actually talked about before in a couple different uh, aspects. We, this is uh, the music was composed by Joseph Bishra. Now, we talked about him back on episode 142 because he did help compose the music, but he was also an actor in that film. Played Bethsheba. 142. That was The Conjuring. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was really neat. So... Along with those credits, he's got his credits and such things as Night of the Demons from 2009, 11, 11, 11, the film Dark Skies, Insidious Chapter 2, the segment Gorgeous Vortex for VHS Viral, helped compose the music for Annabelle. Are, v- are those VHS movies supposed to be I've any good? I've heard pretty decent, okay. yeah. Tales of Halloween, the segment's Trick and Friday the 31st. Composed the music in The Conjuring Part 2, the film Urban Myth, Nest, which is a short. Eli Roth's History of Horror, all uh, 11 episodes from 2018 through 20. And a couple of projects lined up, Insidious, The Dark Realm, and The Free Fall. And I already mentioned The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, so he helped with the music on that as well. So yeah, and like I said, he's an actor too. He's been in a bunch of those films, which is really neat. The special effects was done by Industrial Light and Magic. They helped with the visual and animation. The scan truck helped with cyber scanning. Rubbles helped with visual. Spectral motion helped with the practical effects. And fractured effects helped with the special makeup effects design and creation. This was produced by James Wan and Michael Clear. The production companies were New Line Cinema, Starlight Media Incorporated, My Entertainment Incorporated, and Atomic Monster Productions. 
Warner Brothers helped release this at the United States theatrical release here this year. It was released on September 10th, 2021 here in the States. It had a budget of around $40 million and it grossed at the box office $24.6 million. Do you know what they're calling that yet? Because it's a COVID release, so I know things aren't being graded the same way. Right. Like, is this I being considered a success or not? That's a really good question, and I don't have the answer for it. I, yeah. I, I don't know how they would grade that. Yeah. Considering what you just brought up, yeah. And it's rated R. So you also already assume lower than, like, a PG-13 release. Right. And we've talked about the reasons why, because it brings mm-hmm. in more audience when you put the PG-13 label on it. Now, I do have a tagline. And that is just kind of as eh, super fucking generic, but it's okay. a new vision of terror. I mean, I get what they're doing with that. Was that Friday the 13th tagline? Uh, possibly. It wouldn't surprise me, but. I feel like we've heard that tagline before. New vision of terror. We've probably heard a variation of that terror, horror, yeah. something of that nature. But yeah, that is the tagline. All right. So I'm going to move into the cast. I'm going to start off with Annabelle Wallace. She plays the role of Madison Maddie Lake Mitchell. And a few things of note from her. She's got some pretty cool credits. She played Jane Seymour in five episodes of The Two Doors from 2009 through 10. Some people might have seen her in Peaky Blinders for 19 episodes as Grace Burgess. She was also in Star Trek Discovery as the voice or Zora in three episodes from 20 through 21. She's also in a music video for Coldplay, Him for the Weekend. I know she helped on a song as well. She did the vocals on Up and Up for that as well. A couple of things of note for film. People might have seen her as Amy in X-Men First Class back in 2011. She was also in Annabelle. She was in Grimsby, which is kind of neat. Uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, 2017, The Mummy. And uh, she's in the upcoming Silent Night from this year, which looks pretty cool. So this is kind of funny. I just did a a quick little bit of Google Foo to see if A New Vision of Terror had been any other taglines. It might have been one of the taglines for uh, Trauma. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Is that Argento's Trauma? Yes, that's Argento's Trauma. Okay, because I know there's a few films called Trauma. I just want to make sure. All right. I have Maddie Hassan. She plays the role of Sydney Lake. Uh, a few things of note from her. This one was actually kind of interesting because I've seen it. It's been a while, but she was in the film God Bless America. She was also in the film I Saw the Light. She was a part of the film We Summon the Darkness. She's been in the television series Twisted from 2013 through 14. She was also in Mr. Mercedes from 2017 and in 2019. And more recently, she was in the television series Impulse from 2018 through 19. All right, we have George Young. He plays the role of Detective Kokoa Shaw. Some people might recognize him for his work in the television series Containment from 2015. He was also in the films In the Room, and he was in the film A Bread Factory, parts one and two. Now, I saw that he was a host of this game show that was, I think it was broadcast in Singapore, and it was super successful. That I kind of gave him his big break. Okay. And I know he's done a lot of television. It was mostly, I believe, in Chinese-speaking language countries. So that's where he kind of got most of his work before he got into some mainstream stuff, which is really neat. All right, we have Nicole Brianna White. She plays the role of Detective Regina Moss. A few things of note from her, a 1992 film 
I really enjoy. Some people might not, but I definitely wheezed the juice on this one. I'm oh, talking about shit. Encino Man. <laughs> <laughs> she was in the 1997 film Volcano. Some people might have seen her in the film She Hate Me. She was also in The Breakup Artist, and more recently she was in the film Spell and Songbird. Some people might have seen her in a lot of television series from the 90s. I mean, she was like in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for a few episodes. She was in Family Matters, The Sinbad Show. Some people might have seen her in Living Single. She was also in an episode of Martin. Let's hear a little bit more recently. Yeah, a little bit more recently she was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Some people might have actually seen her because she's Lucille Flannery in the Black Mafia family television show as well. So a lot of cool work there. All right, this is kind of surprising, man. I'm not going to lie. I have Jean Louisa Kelly. She plays the role of Jane Doe and Serena May a little bit later on, we learned. But mm-hmm. here's some really cool things. She was in the film Uncle Buck from 1989. Some people might have also recognized her as Rowena Morgan in Mr. Holland's Opus. She was in Ant-Man. She's also been in such things as Out of the Wild and The Call of the Wild, and she's in the upcoming Top Gun Maverick film. I know she's been in a lot of television series, one in particular because I used to watch it. Okay. She was in the show Yes, Dear, where she played Kim Warner for 122 episodes. That's a show that starred Michael Malley, (laughs) for those who know. So here's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, a shout-out, Jesse, my former roommate and friend of the show, as he's been on before a few times. Jesse, you need to come back on. Um, yeah, he does. She was in the original Broadway cast of Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods nice. as uh, Snow White. Wow. Yeah, I mean, not going to lie, way back in the day, she was a baby doll. Like She still is, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, and she's got some pipes as well. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. I was like super surprising that she's in this. All right, we have Susanna Thompson. She plays the role of Jean Lake, which is the mom of Sydney and Madison. Okay. Now, a few things of note from her. She's actually been in some really cool stuff. She was in Star Trek, The Next Generation, for a few uh, episodes back in 92 and 93. Some people might have seen her in The X-Files back in 93 as well. She was in the movie Little Giants. I fucking love Little Giants. As Patty, which is kind of neat. And I think Patty... If I'm not mistaken, I want to say she might have been the Rick Moranis, like the crush. Oh yeah, of yeah. His character, okay. If I'm not mistaken, which that makes a lot more sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Some people might have seen her in Ghosts of Mississippi. Like I said, she's been in a lot of television, a lot of stuff in Star Trek, actually, which is really cool. Yo, she's Green Arrow's mom in Arrow. That's a really awesome. She's dude. Moira Queen. Like that's fucking dope. Man, Cold Case, NCIS, DC's Legend of Tomorrow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and more recently, Arrow. So good on her. All right. I have Jack Abel plays the role of Derek Mitchell, who is the husband of Madison Mitchell in the film. He's been in such things as the film Strange Wilderness, where he was a conservationist. Dude, that movie is fucking bonkers. He was in The Lovely Bones. He was also in Percy Jackson and The Olympians. That's the Lightning Thief film. He was also in the film I Am Number Four, which I still need to check out, man. Uh, he was also in Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters. Let's see here. A little bit more recently, he was in such things as Son of the South. You might have seen him in Supernatural for quite a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really neat. All right. I have let's see, Jacqueline McKenzie. She plays the role of Dr. Florence Weaver. A few things of note from her. She was in Romper Stomper, which <laughs> I know. I was like, wow. But she's an Australian actor, so yeah, this yeah, makes okay. sense. 
All right. She was also in such things as Deep Blue Sea. You might have seen her <laughs> in the 2000 film Einstein. Wait, who was she in Deep Blue Sea? That movie's fucking great. Janice uh, Higgins. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. All right. She was a part of the 4400 television show back in 2004 through 7. You might have seen her in the 2009 show Mental for quite a few episodes. Let's see here. She was in the miniseries Romper Stomper back in 2018, which is really neat. And let's see here. A little bit more recently, she was in Reckoning and the television series Bloom. So a lot of television work there as well. All right. We have Christian Clemenson. He plays the role of Dr. Victor Fields. A few things of note from him. He's been in, let's see here, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Yeah. At Socrates Pool. Dude, that is... You know, we like some Briscoe around here. That is so fucking crazy, man, that we're talking about him again in this capacity, right? He was in The Big Lebowski as a younger cop. He was in Mighty Joe Young. He was in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Mighty Slayer. Mighty Joe Bong? Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, 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 bro. <laughs> he was in Veronica Mars as Abel Kuntz. Some people might have seen him in Boston Legal. He was also part of the Mentalist television show, CSI Miami. He was in Shameless for a few episodes, Californication. Let's see here. More recently, I guess an episode of Law and Order, which is going on him in the film No Man of God. All right. We have Amir Abu Ella. He plays the role of Dr. John Gregory. A few things of note from him. He was in Barbed Wire. That's a Pam Anderson film. I was about to say, like, okay. Yeah, no. I was like, okay. He was in three episodes of Charmed back in 2000. He was a triad member for the episodes Power Outage, Sight Unseen, and Magic Power, if you're familiar with those episodes. You might have seen him in Why Women Kill and, more recently, the television series Legion as a butler. Oh, All right. okay. We did mention that uh, Ingrid Bisou is not only the wife of James Wan, and not only the writer, but she's an actress, and she plays the role of CST Winnie, so the CST is a crime scene tech. Yeah. Really cute one. And a few things of note from her, she was a young girl. That was her role in Blood Rain from 2005. Some people might recognize her in La Block, which is a television show from 2004 through six. She was in Tales from the Golden Age back in 2009. She was in the films Outbound, Roxanne, some people might have seen her in Dracula the Dark Prince back in 2013. She was also in The Nun as Sister Oana from 2018. And in The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It as Jessica. All right, I've got a few other roles, and that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. I have Ray Chase. He voices Gabriel. And this gentleman... Man, that's a lot I, of voice work, dude. I was gonna say a lot of anime voice work. A lot. I, we kind of ran into this. What was it last week with a couple of people who do mostly voice acting, and this dude's done a lot of stuff. Man, I don't know how much time we have for this, but yeah, like you were saying, a lot of anime. I just saw like Neon Genesis Evangelion, Hunter by Hunter, which is I know is a big one. Blue Exorcist, the movie, which is another pretty decent one. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Legion of Heroes, Grand Blue. Yeah, some really cool ones, man. So, I mean, also video games like Call of Duty, Black Ops 3, also Fallout 4. <laughs> so some cool stuff there. And last but not least, even though I know there's some other people in this film, but I'm trying to pick out the main people, main players, is Marina Mazeppa. She does the physical performance of Gabriel in the film. And just a few things of note from her. She's in the film The Unholy, and she's helped on the completed projects Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, 
and Rise of the Tarragon. On that note, I do want to say there's at least one scene where James Wan is Gabriel. Really? Yeah. That's I didn't know that, but kind of makes sense. All right, we'll get on him. So he does act in this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you gave us a setup. We went through our cast and crew. We got to give you some warnings. Oh, fuck. Surprisingly, there is some pretty good gore and some blood effects and shit like that in this film. And some kills. It gets pretty violent later, too. It doesn't stuff. start off very violent. No, 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 but it ramps up, especially um, in that third act, dude. Some good body horror, I would yes. count it as. Yeah, I would, too. Yes, good body horror. I mean, there's a lot of suspense and tension and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily disturbing imagery, but, like, dark fantastical imagery, yeah. I would count it as. Like, the... You know the segments I'm talking about. Yes. yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 dude. It's that's not really, really cool. scary, but it's not something you're counting on. It can be happening. unsettling. Yeah, it can be unsettling. I'll give you that. Language. Yeah. <laughs> we already said violence, gunplay, stuff like that. Some... There is... There's some domestic violence. I was about to say, there's some domestic violence, which is aimed Ooh. at a pregnant woman. Yeah. There's some implications. And we'll it's... And it's the most violent thing that happens in the first half of the movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. Not in the second half. No, holy shit. Which we'll delve into, but yeah, first half, you got me in the first half. (laughs) (laughs) Not gonna lie. Um, I think those are the only warnings we can give without, like, giving away some shit. Of course, and and if you follow And I think that follows it well enough to be like, all right, that's what you're getting into, so. Yeah, if you've made it this far, oh boy. So I guess... We will find out how malignant made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? Yo, so I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. I likewise, dude. Especially after hearing it wasn't anything spoilerish or nothing like that. I didn't hear any spoilers, but a coworker had told me that he had previously watched it and really enjoyed it. He said it gets campy at times and he was alluding to a lot of things but he never spoiled anything is Mm -hmm. what i'm trying to get at so i was curious to at least see what he was talking about there at least piqued my curiosity and we had seen the trailer too in front of Candyman. yeah i'm almost certain it was Candyman. and if it wasn't it would have been spiral but i think it was Candyman. we thought it looked pretty yeah well like it looks interesting enough i mean it the trailer i don't think did it as much justice no. no which is okay I'm kind of glad the trailer held back as much as it did. I wonder if maybe more people would have went to see it if it hadn't. Right, I don't know but, if people necessarily uh, need to be going and seeing it with Delta variant out there. Yeah, like, exactly, man. It's I don't know what it's doing on streaming because it was also released to HBO Max on yeah. the same day. So like, even uh, if those box office numbers aren't looking good, the streaming numbers might be fucking fantastic. I know like, we've kind of talked about this too. I think with films that might not have got quite... The numbers at the box office, a one that's as fun as this could get a really good word of mouth, mm-hmm. especially with people who are already streaming as is. So it could wind up doing really well overall. I do know that I've seen a ton of people like talking about it, and I was interested enough that I've been like avoiding those, so now I don't have to anymore, and that makes yeah. me happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I know that me and you both talked about it. We were feeling kind of hesitant on it. Because it kind of just looked like it could be, I mean, literally Conjuring, same director. Oh, dude, like, no. And I do want to say something about the Conjuring real quick, because I think when yeah. we covered it on the show, I ended up giving it like C's across the board from me. 
And from me, I think that still holds up just because I kind of don't give a shit. I mean, I'm with you there, dude. And they don't really do a lot for me. I mean, I understand the appeal, but I'm like, eh. But I think maybe a little bit more objectively. I mean, you can never be truly objective on something like this, but a little bit more, not just my own opinion. It probably rates at least B's across the board. Yeah. If only because it does everything since it does nothing bad, it sort of elevates it that little bit more. You know what I mean? No, I understand that completely. Yeah. And that makes sense. And it'd be hard to argue, you know, because if we take away our bias and little Mm -hmm. minor critiques and what have you. Yeah. You could say it's a solid B across the boards. And I wouldn't argue. And I was, I was kind of expecting the same thing. Yeah. Dude, I fucking dug this movie. I think this is like the perfect next step up. Yeah, dude. It does some things really well. And what I was about to yeah. hint or intimate at was I think a saving grace for this film is the fact that Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema are the ones that helped release this. So I knew it was like, ooh. They're, they're willing to push it just a touch more. Right. And I was like, that's, I think, a saving grace for a film that, man— if you've gone this far, you know, you're in the spoiler section dude, now. The it gets PG-13 bonkers, dude, the PG-13 version of this movie would have sucked. It would have really sucked. And I'm glad it's not PG-13 for that fact alone. Because, man, it does a, a lot of things that are kind of edgy, you know, given mainstream. I would still rate this as a mainstream horror. Yeah, yeah, because that's its, its target audience is the mainstream. But I do truly believe it's like, I, think I don't know if it's the perfect... Next step up, perfect yeah. half step between mainstream and non-mainstream. Huh? But if like, yeah. I will say, like The Conjuring might be one of the most perfect mainstream horror movies ever made. Dude, I would agree with that. And it's hard to argue. Like say, it might not be our bag of tea or anything like that, but it's a lot of people's mm-hmm. fucking bag of tea. And I think this is like that perfect like, okay, so now you're hooked. You like horror? Yeah. Do you need to go a little bit deeper? Man. Here you go. I know, and it's still mainstream. So I think I'd rate this above Sinister. Yeah. And I fucking dug Sinister. We both did like Sinister, and I did feel like it was held back a little bit in moments, or it held itself back for whatever reasons. It could have been studio or whatever, but this one, I don't know. This one kind of let it do its thing, and I like it for it. But like I said, I've seen a lot of people talking about this movie. There's one thing I haven't seen anybody say yet, and there ain't been a single person I've seen call out James Wan for remaking Basket Case. Mm. Dude. All right. So so we are where we are, and that's yeah, the spoilers. Yeah, we're the spoilers. Section. Okay, so if you are this far, you know, you know what you're getting into. So throughout the week, because I watched this the first time through kind of in segments. Like I watch it half an hour here, half an hour there. You know, and I finally finished it after a third night of watching. Anyway, man, it kept making me feel that after a certain reveal. And even prior to that, I was like, man, I wonder which... You can't help but notice, man, his giallo influence in this fucking film. All right? I was going to ask you about that because on paper, this movie definitely uses a lot of giallo tropes. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. To me, it didn't feel like a giallo, though. No. I think... The first, a little bit more than third, not necessarily half of the film, but the first, say, two-fifths of the film feel a lot like a giallo, the setup, the premise. Mm-hmm. It usually has a female protagonist who's being stalked by a killer or they have some kind of connection. 
they usually end up getting hurt both emotionally and physically. Right. Yes. And it are follows... being straight up tortured in some way in both of those ways. Dude, and it's visually the color schemes are giallo-ish. Come on. Even the especially main, early on. The main actress herself, her frame, she seems to be a very frail and vulnerable woman. Mm-hmm. But the killer is in a <laughs> wait. It goes further. The killer is in a black trench coat. Yes, I'm saying all the tropes with the killer with an elaborate over the top weapon and the voice as well mm-hmm. is over the top for those kind of killers. <laughs> you know, and you only get to see him like you said, typically in a first person point of view. Not always, but typically, or they're hiding in the shadows, stuff like that. So yeah, it follows all those tropes, and I liked it for it because. But it doesn't feel like a giallo. No, it doesn't. Those are all on paper. Those are right. when you look and see what goes it's into just, this movie. It's setting you up to make you feel like that until you do get the reveal. And you're like, oh, shit. Where it starts to get, like, more basket case. And there's another one, too. Yeah, I, I was going to say, there's three movies that this reminded me heavily of. Like, you just take <laughs> these three and throw it in a blender. And that's definitely one of them. So it is, like, I'd say, like, half basket case, maybe, like... A third God told me to. Okay, yeah. And then the rest, you just sprinkle in some high tension. <laughs> That's pretty good. Another one I wanted to mention, because, man, I know we're, we haven't even really got into the film, but we'll get to it. One that really stood out to me after thinking about it and thinking about the characters and the main character in general and the Gabriel character, it's like, I'm surprised no one has mentioned Imprint. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, man... There's a lot of that going on in this, even though it might not be its intention or his intention. Okay. You know, you've got this mm-hmm. thing going on. Well, I won't get into it, but that, it made me think of Imprint a little bit. Maybe not the themes of Imprint, but the character, the main character. But like legitimately, like James Wan, you made Basket Case. You did, really did, man. And I'm. You made maybe the happy. best update of Basket Case it's, I could fucking think of. I don't know how many times we've mentioned this too. How many coincidences we're bound to run into them because of the films we review. And we reviewed Basket Case not too long ago. And it's odd in a way to see it pop up in a mainstream film, especially one set up like this. I'm like, I was never anticipating to see that well, okay. homage in this film. In the control aspect with the secret sibling. Dude, yeah, come on. With a pop, well... It's revealed, and God told me to, that it was an extraterrestrial, but you never find out who the father is in this, Mm -mm. other than he's referred to as the devil a number of times. (laughs) Like, tell me it's not at least a little bit God told me to. Of course it is. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird, but it is. It's his influence. You can feel it. And then they use the, in this case, maybe devil told me to, superpowers, to explain how the high tension moments happened. Of course. You're like, what the... Because once you know the twist, you're like, but that couldn't have happened. Right, but... Except Gabriel's superpowered. Yeah, I mean, the name alone, too, you got to think about that. I mean, for reals. How on the nose is the name fucking Gabriel? There's actually another name on the nose, heavily on the nose. The first time you see her, too, I'm like... It took me the second time, but definitely the second time, I'm like, man, Sydney... If that's not a direct scream oh, reference. <laughs> Yo, dude, so here's the thing. I like James Wan. I was actually listening to the Cinema Sins guys sort of 
mention one of them had watched malignant and it was another one of those things where i'm like i'm gonna turn it off if he starts saying too much but it was luckily he gave just like a little paragraph review and i was like okay that just piques my interest a little bit more but they brought up like james wan has never made a bad movie all of his movies are good solid he's also never made a masterpiece I have really weird mixed feelings on this movie because I think it's the closest thing that James Wan has done to a masterpiece. Mm. And it's also by far his most derivative movie. Man, without a doubt. I would say... He wears some of his influences on his fucking sleeve in this film. Oh, man. And How do you start with Jurassic Park opening? (laughs) You can't... Yeah. Dude, it's fucking crazy. There's like an arm grab? Yeah. Like the raptor did. And then she's Muldoon. It's crazy, dude. But you're right. You're absolutely right. When you catch things like that in this film and you're seeing what he's doing, and we've talked about it too, the more we watch these films, the more we review, so you can't help but notice the director's influences or the writer's influences and all these influences from various you know resources and what have you. But yeah, perfect example. And it's not the first case. Won't be the last case. <laughs> dude. You s- but it's okay. This movie starts with a Jurassic Park opening that moves into somebody getting strapped down Sam Raimi style oh, dude. into a straight up early 2000s opening credit sequence. It's pretty remarkable. <laughs> it's pretty nice. And I think the one thing that I'm going to hold against this movie is that the soundtrack, the dude sounded like he was trying to, trying to write Hello Zeph the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Or Hello Zap. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Because it was, it's almost the da 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 da, except it never quite gets there. Gets there. That's solid, man. <laughs> but you're right; it follows a certain beat that's not unfamiliar. And I like because I didn't read any reviews. I remember seeing the previews, but didn't think too much of it afterward. So this film was still kind of. An unknown factor to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a whole bunch about it, so I didn't know exactly where they were going. It sets up a kind of an interesting open, right? With we're kind of alluding to it, but there is a test subject. Gabriel seems to be causing mayhem, murder. On top of that, and at some point, the doctor—I mean, there was a series of doctors, but Doctor Weaver in particular—she says a line that gets refrained several times in this film, and that's, "It's time we cut out the cancer." You know, so we're getting snippets of that. It's happening in 1993 at this research hospital. And we know that Gabriel has a sister. Right, right, right. We don't know to what capacity. They just give you, a, what, maybe a minute and a half, two minute yeah. kind of opening with that. And I mean, that's an intense opening when it all really the fucking is, shit man. goes crazy. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah, that opening, it's like, all right, what the fuck? And then we get... A cut to present day. We get the introduction of Madison, who's going to be our main character, and her husband. She's pregnant. She's come home. Seems pretty early. He's watching the game, whatever, on the bed, just kind of being dismissive. And kind of takes a turn for a weird, violent, like, Yo, what the dude, fuck? Derek's the worst. And that's pure definition. I mean, I know it's exaggeration, but it's kind of the definition of just douche. Because what he says to her, you're like... Damn, that was right off the hip. He's like, wow, I wish you stopped getting pregnant or something to that yeah. nature, that degree. He says, because you think you, this is my fault? Yeah. It's like, because you keep well, killing our like, babies. I'm like, God damn, dude. Fucking, you don't want her to get pregnant. Go get your fucking, go get snipped, dick. Yeah, exactly, cock. 
Yeah, so he's telling her all that stuff, and then he just explodes on her and rams her head into the wall. Well, when he mentions something about the baby, he touches her stomach. Yeah. And she she... pushes his hands away. Don't fucking touch her. Exactly. That's... And then I was not expecting that hard of a fucking just slamming her head against the fucking wall behind her. I was like, damn, that's intense, dude. Because it was... Slamming makes it sound like he grabbed her by, like, the hair and, like, wrecked her. It's like a punch, except it was, like, open hand and just... Wham. Wham! Yeah, like right into the wall. And, you know, he fucked her up good. And I, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's like it's so fucking ridiculous. Is his reaction. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. It was an accident. I'll get you some ice. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? It just shows you, like, all right, that's his character. And it amounts to her. Not that you need to know. No, but it amounts <laughs> to her locking herself in the room. He's trying to apologize. Later on that night. So he's indirectly responsible for every death in this movie yes he is indirectly yeah I mean, we'll explain why we say that <laughs> but you're right it's the domino effect mm-hmm. it's the thing that catapults this film <laughs> so later on that night he's on the couch he hears some noises i guess coming from the kitchen he thinks maybe it's madison and he goes in there and checks it out weird stuff's going on fridge door opens he goes back into the living room, and the TV's flicking through the channels. You see an outline of what looks like Madison on the couch, and he turns the light on, and she disappeared, but you see the imprint. Mm-hmm. Like something was there. Yeah, because the cushions. Yeah, okay, so, so yeah. before we get too much further, thinking back to the first time you were actually watching through this and thinking back to the trailer, uh-huh. were you as worried as I was that it was going to end up being some sort of fucking ghost? Yes, and or... Not that ghosts can't be pulled off. Right, no, but not necessarily... Not I didn't think it was a ghost at first. I would say more of... I think the trailer made me think it was a ghost. And then... <sighs> yeah, so because I'd forgotten so much. Not, mm-hmm. like, everything, but... Like I said, I was kind of dismissive after seeing the trailer because I was like, eh, eh. That's kind of how it felt. <laughs> eh. But as the events were playing out, especially in this sequence, I was kind of thinking that. I was like, one of two things. She's either projecting, okay, yeah, like an imaginary character that can do this, you know, malevolent stuff. I was wondering that too. Like if this kind is of just, hand in hand with a ghost, like right, is the ghost it's just similar. It's similar. Like how supernatural is this? Is kind of yeah. what I'm getting at. Like those are my two things. Like how supernatural? Maybe ghost. Maybe Answer, a projection. Kind of supernatural. Like, yeah. Like is it an astral projection? Is it no. more just a a conjuring of sorts? Like is she conjuring things? Mm-hmm. No, no, we'll find out. <laughs> All right. So Derek gets fucked up and he winds up getting his neck snap. Badly. Real bad. Yeah, because she wakes up and her head's bleeding. We do have to note that because that's like a, a thing that triggers things mm-hmm. as we as we learn. She goes downstairs. She discovers his body. You know, police come. All that stuff kicks off. Look, this is the spoiler section, and we're still sort of holding back on, like, the spoiler spoiler just so we can talk about how crazy it was, I think. But, like, given what we know, she's an unreliable narrator anytime she's on screen. Yes, 100%. And it's uh, not like we get any or, like, hardly any POV shots. It's not limited to that. mm -hmm. If she's on screen, it's unreliable. 100%. You're right. And I think high tension might be a good way of... Kind of comparing that because it's the, you know, unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. 
kind of yeah device. So makes sense. One hundred percent makes sense. I will say this: the detective. There's Koa Shaw and Morris, yes. Regina Morris. Morris is on it almost to a T at the beginning. She has suspicions. She's like, there was no forced entry, and then you learn some other things. You know what? I appreciated that more on the second watch because the film, it seems, kind of uses that to like help lull the audience because you have this character where you're like, look, she's making so much sense. And when her accusations sort of get pushed to the side, you also kind of stop thinking about it. Yeah. I'm like, it kind of worked, you know, like clever. You got to give him credit. James Wan is pretty clever. (laughs) He's still yet to make a bad movie. And this is why he can do shit like this all day long. Yeah. And I think he's starting to flex his muscle a little bit. All right. Maddie is in the hospital. She gets visited by her sister, Sid. And Sid has been left in the dark. We find out Derek's a dick. We've already kind of knew that, but... He's even a bigger dick than we thought. Yeah, because Madison didn't have ties with her family for a long time because of him. And one of the doctors comes in, and, you know, they kind of explain what's going on. We learn that she lost the baby as a result of all these, you know, all these events. Mm -hmm. And puts her into this state, you know... Not necessarily catatonic, but she's... She's out of it, though. Yeah, she's out of it, man. You know, and her sister's learning this isn't the first time she's lost or had a miscarriage. You know, like, oh, shit, she didn't know. So, you know, you're getting that kind of angle. Makes sense. And was it just a few days later, she returns home. She has a weird night and boards up the place. Yeah. That scene is... It kind of doesn't really do anything. No. First time through, it kind of helps build the tension for the audience, yeah, I think. Yeah, you're like, like, okay, that's the keep out... The that's another, well, and that's another moment where I think it sort of throws out the, like, is it some sort of ghost? I think that's right. Why would you board yourself up inside mm-hmm. if you're afraid of what's inside? You're afraid of the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's still chalking it up as, like, a home invasion. Okay. So, yeah, we learned that. One thing I do want to say about this, there was a shot that happens, which I really liked, man, is she kind of gets spooked, I think, later on that night. She, you know... I think she's coming downstairs. She hears some noises and shit. She starts to lock up the house. I think that's before she deadbolts and all that stuff. Oh, but right. one the thing was the overhead crane shot of the interior of the house when she's moving from room to room. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I really, I mean, from a technical standpoint, I really like that shot. I was mm-hmm. like, that's pretty cool, man. You don't, it's not something that you haven't seen before, but I kind of liked it. It shows, I think, his eye, the craft that he has, because it's supposed to, in a sense, make you feel like there's a presence. Right. You know, from that point of view, something is there, something's happening, but you don't know to what degree. And I think using that shot too, it's kind of clever because there's things upstairs is what I'm saying later Uh, on. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm like, man, maybe that was a POV from... From Gabriel. Yeah. We'll just say Gabriel at this point. Yeah, I know. Shit's going on upstairs. So that's, I'm like... That's kind of clever from a, not only a technical standpoint, but also from a narrative, too, because that might be Gabriel's POV. So I was talking before about wearing, like, influences on the sleeve. How cool of a twist on the the call is coming from inside the house <laughs> is this? Uh, yeah, that, too. I'm saying, man, he's 70s and 80s influence a lot in this. Because fucking, yeah, Black Christmas. That's what I'm saying. A lot of it. You can't help it. And he's showing it, but he's doing it clever. 
it's such a neat way of doing it. The character can almost only talk through electronics, at least to start. There was something I noted, which I thought was really neat. This happens, I want to say, during that same same time where she's looking out the window. I think it's the first time she's, like, recognizing the character, the cloaked character. She mm, only sees yeah, it yeah. as a shadowy figure in the lights. I just barely caught it because I wasn't, I was kind of zoning in and out. But I caught when she's walking towards her window on the nightstand, there happens to be, like, this hand sculpture that's hand is kind of contorted. Oh. I was like, God damn. He's already kind of tipping you know, you off to little clues here and there, little subtleties. and mm-hmm. like, that's pretty clever, dude. I like that. It's just a real quick little reference there. When her and Sid finally get a chance to, like, talk in the house, we get the drop that another bit of information <laughs> that Sid wasn't privy to. Madison was adopted. Yeah. Not only that, she doesn't remember anything prior to being eight years old. She's like, yeah, up to that point can't remember anything <laughs> like damn that was casual <laughs> i was like oh, that's, that's interesting yeah so i think it was around that point in the movie first time through that i started thinking like oh shit like they removed the cancer but the cancer lived like when are we going to meet the twin living like when are we going to meet bart's evil twin <laughs> basically <laughs> you yeah, know what i mean yeah exactly what was Bart's evil's twin name? God damn it. I couldn't tell you, man. Not right off my head. I'm going to look that up. That's a good trivia question. Hugo. Hugo? Oh, shit. I was like, shit, when's Hugo going to pop up? At a certain point, I became convinced. I'm like, this is fucking God told me to. Yeah. There's a fucking twin out there somewhere. I mean, at this point, and after that reveal, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, there's more to this story than just her being a victim. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Here's another little interesting thing. So we get an introduction to another character. We don't know who she is. She's a, I mean, she's basically a tour guide for the Seattle Underground. But there's some strange events that's going on down there. She winds up getting abducted by what we learn as the killer Mm -hmm. up to this point. We don't know for what reason, but it's communicating with her. And is like, you don't know how long I've been waiting for this, but there's some things it needs to take care of first. This is when Dr. Weaver, present-day Dr. Weaver, is introduced as well because she gets a menacing phone call about the cancer once again. Right. You're like, all right, what the fuck? Later on that night, once again, Madison's doing some laundry. She goes down to put her laundry, I guess, in the washer, dryer, what have you. Then she sees an image of a person like, what the fuck? And this is, at first, I'm like, I hope they don't go conjuring with this with some ghost apparition shit right here because that's what I was starting to think. Yes, same here. I'm like the fuck are you so doing? No, please no, no, don't no. do that. This was getting kind of cool. This was getting kind of cool. Don't turn back to a fucking ghost. And you know what it turns into instead? This is how CG should be used in horror movies. Yeah, because that was really clever. I'm going to use that word probably more than once, but I liked it. It made everything completely upside down from what I was thinking. Everything about how the CG was used in that scene is perfect. Like, you're not using it to create a character. You're using it to create this weird fantasy scape that yes. you can't do that with practical effects. Mm-mm. You cannot do what that set did with practical effects. And you're right. If you're going to use CG in this kind of manner, it works perfect because, like you said, practically you can't pull it off. I think the last time I saw CG used wow. this well in a horror movie might have been when we went and saw Dr. Sleep. Ooh, yeah, because it does some of those transitions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's a good reference Yeah, as well. 
what I wanted to point out, and it's kind of funny, even though this it's not meant to be funny, is Dr. Weaver's like telling what looks like Maddie to get out of her house. She's like, not your house, this is my house. Then you see the shadowy character, right, Gabriel. And Gabriel like jerks her up and body slams her. And when it does, that's when you get the transition to her house, yeah. meaning Dr. Weaver's house. And you're like, oh, shit. What the fuck? Yeah, and I'm like, all right, I like where this film is going. Now it's more than just this weird Now it's bond. weird. It's like, yeah. It's like, what's going on? Is she there? Is she making her see it? Right. Is she a psychic medium? What the fuck is Even going on? Even if it on? is a ghost, I don't care at this point because they made it cool. Yeah, I really like this because <laughs> now it's getting bon- like kind of trippy. And I'm still like, maybe she is projecting it. So that's kind of what I was thinking too. There was a part of me that felt like, and she just doesn't know it yet. Maybe that's what she was forgetting. Yeah, as she has these powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not necessarily. So the doctor gets fucked up good with her own trophy. Yeah. And that becomes the weapon of choice for killings, which is kind of interesting. That's also kind of a motif in a lot of giallos, which is, you know, it's okay. It's following stupid that stupid overblown weapon. Man, it gets violent. I wasn't expecting it to get that violent. I wasn't expecting, like... Almost all the doctor deaths, we also get the after shot. Yeah. I'm and like, I was damn, not expecting yeah. any of them to be as fucking gory as they were. That's why I'm glad Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema put this out because Blumhouse, I don't think, would have done that. No, not like the stabbed fucking face. No way. That one got fucking gnarled. No discredit to Blumhouse, but I just don't think they would have gone there. Mm-mm. One of our most anticipated movies is a Blumhouse movie. I'm saying, Not dude. trying to talk shit, but no. there are certain things they don't do. Exactly. And I'm okay with that. And we understand that. Just saying. Mm-hmm. When you need a little extra, you got to go somewhere else sometimes. Thank you, Warner Brothers. New Line Cinema. So <laughs> there's that. But that was surprising. You're right. Made me enjoy it even more. I was like, damn, they went there. Good. Fuck yeah. We needed that sometimes. Then it's weird because then she seems to wake back up at her house. Yeah, and you're like, what screaming the and fuck shit. is going on? She went into this weird state, and you don't know quite the significance of it. Like, I was still trying to wrap my mind around, like, what the fuck just happened? Like, she witnessed it. She was there, but she's still at home. So there was a time lapse. What is that significance? I don't know quite yet. But a little bit later on, it happens again. because I honestly didn't even actually notice the time lapse. Yeah, I mean... She was like, what, just doing some laundry and what mm-hmm. have you? Then that happens, and there's huge time. Yeah, it goes from night to morning, essentially. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a huge time gap that happens somewhere in there that she probably can't account for other than I was in this weird state. Yeah, I guess I didn't notice that. I, I must have been a bit too dabbed out. <laughs> Boom. That's all right, man. Dabbing all over the place. <laughs> yeah, later on that night, she's, like, lying down. And she gets this weird sensation, this weird ominous feeling that is happening again. And she looks over, and there's a dude laying in her bed. Now, this was the shit that was used for all the trailers. I mean, this is the shot that you get on the poster, essentially, as well. Yeah. Also, that poster is pretty giallo-y. It really is, and I like it. I like the font. I like the color scheme. Yeah, I mean, it's red and everything. But it does a good job, and the eye is... Mm-hmm. No pun, but it's a focal point in giallos, too. <sighs> yeah. Especially depending on who you're talking about. Yeah, there was a few times where he focused on the eyes, I noticed. 
it was so much cooler to see this fucking scene in context rather than the trailer shots. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. Cause it doesn't do it justice. We already mentioned that. It's so much creepier. It's weird. Just having the context of knowing that she doesn't know what's going on actually makes it make more sense. Yeah. Like, even though I still don't know what's going on the first time watching that scene, her also not knowing what's going on kind of made me like that scene more. I think it's helping sell the idea of the confusion <clears throat> because everybody at this point is confused. We don't know exactly why and what's going on. To me, the trailer read like she kind of knew a little bit more what was going on. I mean, they even use a line about your imaginary friend and I'm like, is this like a, a horror version of Drop Dead Fred? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm down for that, too. I mean, yeah, I'm not opposed as long as the comedy and timing and all that's there. We'll see, but, you know, it's up for the takes. Anywho, I was curious about that. It alludes to a lot of different things. So this is the one where if you're paying attention, you might be able to start guessing what's going on. Mm. Because during the stabbing, you actually get other than the face, a real good look at Gabriel. But if you don't know what you're looking for, it still just sort of seems like somebody weirdly stabbing someone. Yeah, it might seem like a weird, deformed character from the angles that it's stabbing and standing and all that stuff. It's not regular, it's not normal. But especially that first time, you're mostly just like, oh shit, stabbing. Yeah, You're not paying attention to like where the knees are. Not at first. I don't think you are. You're just paying attention to the violence and the stabbing, like you were saying. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Because second time through, like, I was like, oh, I see it. Oh, yeah. Now you know. Now I know. First time through, I was like, that looks awkward. Is Gabriel deformed like Hugo was? Solid point. Yeah. At that point, my mind was going like full treehouse of horror. Like I was all in on Hugo. I'm like, did James Wan remake fucking like treehouse of horror, like 13 or whatever it was. Probably. Bart's evil twin. Some people draw influences from the most. (laughs) No, this this is not treehouse of horror seven. Sorry. It was earlier. Damn, that was still like 90. Damn, like 93. Yeah. Dang. Something like that. Dude, I would have watched that when it aired. Like, no, that would have been like 96. Yeah, 95, 96, something like that. Damn, still. Yeah, I probably watched that too. I just can't remember all of it. But <laughs> that's interesting, man. Like, yeah, she, she witnesses that guy's death, and it's pretty fucking violent. And she is so convinced, she winds up going to those detectives and like, hey, look. She goes with her sister on top of it, but she tells them, she's like, look, this doctor was killed. I saw it. You know, it's near the silver cup, whatever, apartments. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, what? Who told you, your imaginary friend told you that? You know, it was like, they call her Wikipedia Brown or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Solve the case. Yo, they were landing some fucking zingers on her. Yeah. Although they, at some of the points, it was kind of like, yo, do you got to be a dick right now? I know. It's like, maybe that's not the right moment. You know, she's still, in a sense, grieving over losing. The child. cop characters actually seemed decently fleshed out like they had like the good good. cop bad cop routine going but it was obvious that uh what was her name the bad cop regina morris it was kind of obvious that morris wasn't playing the bad cop she was actually just kind of a person with shitty bedside manner and like no fucking patience yeah she doesn't have time for the bullshit (laughs) she's a straight shooter yeah and i don't know i just i kind of always had the sense of like who they were and like 
And that's why it was more just like, oh, that's weird that you said that then and being like, yo, do you got to do that right now? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Sid winds up, I don't know if she's the one who convinces, but she's like, you know, hey, look, at least you can do is check it out. If she's wrong, you can have her committed and you can lock me up. So they check it out, the detectives. And at first, it just seems like bullshit. Wait, did you notice the the little kind of worried look that Sid gives after yeah, that after when she's, she's like, like oh. she realizes what she said. <laughs> she's like, oh, shit, I better not be wrong about this. I, I better hope, yeah, my sister's right about this. <laughs> the detectives go to check it out. Like I said, at first, it seems like it could just be a bunch of, you know, hocus pocus until they knock on one door and it's become a jar. And they're like, all right, shit, let's go check it out. And it's Morris who winds up first discovering it. She calls Kakoa over, and it checks out. Like, homeboy's in the bed. He's been fucked up. And you can see across from his window the silver cup sign and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So it checks out. Everything checks out. And that calls into question, like, all right, what the fuck is going on here now? Like, all this stuff is checking out. These aren't just coincidences. We were already wondering if you did it. Now you're giving us details on a murder that yeah, it, nobody should have known about. I was saying, it, I mean, it Wait, really implies her. Here's another giallo trope. The cops are terrible at their job. Oh, yeah. without They're, they're always a step or 15 behind. Constantly. <laughs> what can you say? Here's something I did like is she's back at the police department. And I think she winds up going into like the bathroom and she gets that unknown phone call. Mm-hmm. Winds up being Gabriel and calls her by a different name, calls her by Emily. And I'm like, okay, there's some other shit going on here, man. It's like, all right. Is that when they go to see the adopted mom? At this, oh, it's it's right. It's after they leave the police station. Yeah, exactly. Because that's when they, they go on that drive. And she's like, you know, the cops at this point probably think I'm doing it. We need to go see somebody. He's like, where are you going? Yeah. They go see Madison's adoptive mom, but it's Sid's real mom. Yes. Yeah. And she asked, this is Madison's asking Jean, that's her name in the movie, if she can tell her anything about Gabriel. And she's like, oh, she shows her birthday tapes. Right. Well, at first she's like, did they say anything about me having a brother? Yes, and they're like, exactly. No, no they wouldn't no, put the, them together. Yeah, they're like, the. although the one thing they did tell us was that they keep siblings together. So, like, well, does the name Gabriel mean anything? Like, oh, shit. Yeah, so you used to be real fucking creepy with the name Gabriel. Oh, about that. We got that recorded. So let's sit down. It's going to take a minute. <laughs> I was just like, I kind of like that. You were a total fucking creep show for a little bit. <laughs> You'd mentioned it a little earlier, man, with Sinister, but the way that he, the tape, at first, when they put it in the VCR and you kind of see the VCR heads working and shit, I'm like, that's kind of like the way that he was using the the real mm-hmm. you know on the old projector and shit i was like i kind of like that it's kind of eh, you know it is what it is but it was it was nice but we learned a lot of shit in those videos about, yeah she was a fucking super creepy kid man dude what the fuck <laughs> yeah she came with a lot of red flags right out of the freaking simian research hospital like whoa hold up wait a minute like they're saints for putting up with some of that shit <laughs> The dad, low, I mean, not really low-key because he says it out loud, mm-hmm. but there's a moment where he's like, ah, I was worried about this. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> he's kind of calling it out, mm-hmm. you know, but, I mean, yeah, it's a kid. She's young. She's she's damaged. She has a quote-unquote imaginary friend who we learn is Gabriel, and he's making her 
do things. He's telling her to do do things. Like you were saying, God told me to do it. This time it's the devil. <laughs> yeah. Or fucking Mr. Boogie at this point. Yeah, what the fuck, man? A so, kid's being told to do something, and we're learning about it through a tape. I liked it. I mean, it, yeah. I think it's it, kind of... I think it is a little bit of a non a little not, homage. Mm -hmm. You know, as I'm saying, he's... Be like, way to go, Derrickson. You hit the money on something. It's like, like, I like it. I'm going to incorporate this in my film a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just give you a little homage, a little shout out. This Good is job. by far his most derivative work. And I like it, man. It's okay. But it's fine. Yeah, it works. I don't... It works. Some of our favorite films... Where their fucking influences uh, uh, on their sleeve. We were talking yeah. about Rob Zombie before we started recording. Fucking House of a Thousand Corpses you love is them or you hate them. way worse about wearing its fucking influences on its sleeve hey, than this you know movie what? is. It works, and mm -hmm. I like it, and I'm okay with it. So fucking what? <laughs> it's not going to change my opinion. No, no, no. But we got to call it out because it's kind of what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, whatever. It's okay. It works. Kakoa starts to wisen up. He comes across a file because of, I think it's Dr. Weaver at first. Yeah. She's got all these files, and he's like, you know, we're going to look through them. And he comes across a picture that looks a lot like Madison. And then he tells one of the detectives earlier on to, like, can you age progress to, say, 30 years or whatever? You know, so he's he's kind of, kind of wising up to some of these details. Well, and the name matched, right, on the file. It was... Uh, what's her real name? Emily. Yeah, Emily yeah. May. Yeah. Yeah, and the the file was Emily M. And you're like, so. mm, okay. So this is where I'm saying, Kakoa, he's piecing together, you know, Madison's connections to these murders, which is the doctors, of course. And he arrives actually after Gabriel is in the process of killing another one of the doctors that's involved. Well, and like that's when I was like, all right, basket case, you're killing off the doctors. Me too. That was like, all right, there's, hold on, wait a minute. It's like, how the fuck wait is Basket Case an influence in this film? <laughs> this is too much of a coincidence right now, but fuck yeah. What a huge shout out to that movie. It, for fucking real. Why is nobody talking about Basket Case I've in seen conjunction a few people, with this movie? I'll give them credit. I've seen a okay. few people on the database, already kind of what we mentioned, like if you have a Giallo mixed with Basket Case, a little bit later on, we'll get to it, like, mixed in with a little bit of Matrix action. Mm -hmm. You get a mix of this film. It's a kind of a mixed bag. Like, I, it's, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's kind of high tension, except we get to actually see the action. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Like, in high tension, we get to see mostly the after effects most of the time. Yes. And you have to guess how it went down. Yeah, because you, you can't rely on, on the, narrator. the narrator. No, there's no, no. She's in a whole different state of mind. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where she thinks she's the victim. I know we're talking about two different films. And you, but yeah. kind of, and you can kind of guess at it before this point, but it's during this detective chase that they set up that Gabriel 100% is somewhat superpowered. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like you freaky. know that even from like, like the opening credit sequence, if you're paying attention to like what the files are saying and yes. the way they're describing them. Yeah. And even, stuff. Yeah. The like, title sequence. Yeah, there's a lot of clues going on in there if you're paying attention. Yeah. They're revealing a lot of shit. And like he's at least the somewhat surgery. of he's at least somewhat of an electromancer and like it's pretty neat. Uh, you know, other things. Mm -hmm. So if you were still on the fence before it gets any further in this movie, <laughs> they establish during this chase what Gabriel can do. Oh yeah. And that way it doesn't like early. come out of nowhere later. 
yeah, you're right. It's it's establishing it. It's cementing it because you're using a character who doesn't really have any stakes in this outside of him being a detective and just mm-hmm. being a happen. But now Having he's in just it. Just some amazing plot armor. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> all right, this is where I'm like, all right, you have to really, you know, suspend your disbelief. For me, in this one particular sequence, when he is chasing... Oh, this chase is only done through editing. Not only that, but there's there's a scene where he's literally jumping from the stairs onto a trash bin below. I'm like, there's no way. He's breaking all kinds of ribs. Probably broke his hip. That's too far of a drop for him to be doing that. Yeah, and he should not be close enough to have any idea where Gabriel went after that because he doesn't even start going down those <laughs> stairs until Gabriel is only, like, two from the bottom. What the fuck? And the way Gabriel was going down them stairs, too, I'm like, fuck that, I'm calling back up. Well, and if, uh-uh. look, look, if you're paying a lot of attention like I did the second time around, it's kind of an Odessa step sequence, and you see Gabriel go down, like, the last three ladders, like, two and a half times. Yeah. Between yeah, the cuts yeah, back yeah, and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It worked. It was efficient. It worked. But if I was in that movie, there's no way. I mean, I know it's a movie, but just saying. If I saw some shit like that. Nah. Do fuck uh, I'm that. getting on the radio like somebody's running this way. Yep. Have fun. I lost Peace. them, but I saw, last I saw they were heading this way. Not today. <laughs> I am not going in any fucking walls. I've been just, the bricks have just been kicked out. As a crawl space. I don't think so. Nah. Nah. I ain't venturing <laughs> the fucking underground. That ain't me. I ain't that kind of detective. In some ways, though, it's also during this chase <laughs> that the movie starts to get a little bit kooky. It does. And it's kind of James Wan just having fun, I think. Absolutely. He's like, Because right. we need, like, he's like... I think it would look cool if the detective was chasing Gabriel and Gabriel jumped out of a 19th century carriage in the middle of fog. <laughs> what was that? But I liked it because it was like, what is what is going on right now? Is he setting up another illusion fantasy? I think it probably was an illusion that I'm just not catching right now. Perhaps, but I'm like, it was literally out of nowhere. It just kind of yeah, came out of you, nowhere. In a modern day movie, you have the villain like, jumping out like of like Jack a, the Ripper kind of yeah esque. Like, what the fuck is this carriage <laughs> doing? Where the fuck is this fog coming from? <laughs> so, yeah, we got some dry eyes. Let's use it. Oh shit, we we still had effects budget, right? All right, let's do it. We got forty million to play with. <laughs> Why not? Shit, yeah. But it's little things like that that make it fun. And that. Mm, from this point on in the movie, that kind of doesn't stop. Like, he finds fit places to have fun with the rest of the movie, I feel like. Man. Like, a lot of fucking fun. You're not kidding, man. They bring in the hypnotherapist. Yep, I was going to say, they bring the hypnotherapist in because of what Madison reveals and what the detectives already kind of are piecing together. You're right. And the hypnotist gets her to remember some of that shit that we've kind of already seen a little bit of yeah we saw a little bit in the tapes but you get more oh. of like oh she almost a killed huge sydney reveal in the fucking womb she almost incited her fucking sister yeah 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 <laughs> yeah the parents caught that real quick but still yeah she was ready all right so no joke i haven't talked to her in years but i knew a girl back in high school uh, she didn't go to the same school as me she was down the bitter at that was on probation for most of high school 
because she got charged after during a sleepwalking incident, she almost fucking stabbed her brother. Wow. Damn. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sh- stuff happens, man. But, yeah. So I was just like, oh, shit. Oh, this fucked up. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they caught it, though, before anything happens, which we know because Sydney's alive. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point. But it has to be noted because that has implications that go beyond just that. Well, and did you notice one of the lines she used when she was explaining it all to the detectives right after? I'm not sure. She was, this is like a memory buried deep in the back of my mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it was a, me- a memory buried deep in the back of my head. She doesn't even say mind, in the back of my head. No, uh, yeah, no, there's, you're right, those lines are like pointing shit out to us. <laughs> I didn't write it down, but yeah, I, I did catch that. <laughs> We get the big reveal. Yeah. The big reveal because we're starting to see more of the research stuff with Emily, Mm -hmm. you know, and Sid and her mom are like, you know, it's pretty rough what they're seeing. That's what's happening. And Dr. Weaver is pretty much, you know, spelled out that it's a conjoined twin. It's what a teratoma. Now, there's a few things that are incorrect about some of these things here, but, you know, for the movie's sake. Parasitic twins and teratomas are two different things. Right. There are arguments that some teratomas might be parasitic twins. It's weird. But it's way too underformed to call it anything. Yeah. Like I said, it's an argument. I'm not saying it's a good argument. But there is arguments there that some extreme teratomas might be parasitic twins. Could be. I don't know. I, I... but generally speaking, 99.9% of the time, yeah. they are different things. Exactly. So the teratoma in the scientific sense, it's just a, a tumor that it's like a collection of hair and teeth and tissue. Mm-hmm. And it's just not fully formed. It says it's most commonly found in the ovaries, the testes, and the coccyx. And I'm like, okay, it would make sense to, to an extent in those regions. you know. But also... Conjoined twins, from what I understand, have to be of the same sex. Like, you can't oh. have a conjoined brother and sister. It doesn't work that way. It has to be sister, sister, or brother, brother. Interesting. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think I knew that. I didn't know that prior to this film either. I like, so I'm not a scientist. I don't, I don't practice medicine, but <laughs> I learn things because of films like this. So, you know, for practical argument's sake, it's like there's... It's not accurate, but it's a, it's a fucking silly film, so <laughs> it doesn't have to be accurate. <laughs> the point being is it's another one of those things. It's like, oh, shit, this is, man, this is a fucking basket case. If it's not already spelled out for you, you know? But I like it because the reveal is supposed to be horrifying. You know, she's got this parasitic twin on her back. I also read, too, just real briefly that Bizu, Ingrid, that is, James Wan's wife, she had read some stuff about Edward Mordrake. And that became kind of a little bit of an influence. Right. Did he even actually exist? Is he a complete urban legend? Do you know? I know I've, a little bit about more. Yeah, I do myself, too, but, but I've heard, I've heard mixed. I've heard okay. that he might've been, but then there's also like legends, tales and stuff. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how accurate it is. But he was a dude that was supposed to have a fucking face on the back of his head. Yo, basically. I mean, if that's for real, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Dude, that Telling him to do this shit. fucking movie is so fucking gnarls, dude. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Like, I loved it. And the doctor has made a decision. This is where that line from mm-hmm. the beginning comes into play. It's like, we need to cut out the cancer, teratoma, tumor, cancer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
they go. They go into cutting off limbs and but there came a point where like, you know, they're connected at the spine, they share the brain. Is so there was only so much they could cut. Yeah, and the rest they just decided to put in the back of her skull. Just keep it also, trapped. That's back there. not gonna work. But no, fuck no. <laughs> But that's I'm where, not going to just push this into your brain. That's cavity. where I'm like, dude, this is where it weirdly made me think of imprint when I started thinking of like what the fuck they're doing. You got instead of sister, a lot like basket case where you have Belial, his brother, mm-hmm. but he's detached. But in this case, you have brother in the back of your head who's still there and comes out because of a head wound. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah, we, we learned that. And that's it's a huge reveal. It starts to make total sense now. And also, I kind of said that the chase is where this movie went bonkers. This is where it's just like, it starts not nah, fuck really you. Really like, get off the rails. Did you guys think like you knew what kind of movie this was? No, it's not. Like, there were some slightly like gory discretion shots earlier in the movie. Yeah. We don't actually see fucking Derek get his neck snapped. That's no, we thing. didn't see that. We just saw the aftermath of that. From here on out, we see it all. Bonkers. Oh, it gets elevated to the next level they're like here we just showed you this this super fucked up looking half baby crawl you know what is attached like, what to the is back that? of someone's head some x-file shit that ha- you know what it half reminded me of it half reminded me of oh what was the fucking the bad alien movie the fucked up looking queen in that one I don't know. I can't remember. The one where she ends up like blowing the fucking hole in like the window. So it gets like sucked and like pulled out through it. I can't remember, dude. Honestly, can't. Because I haven't seen a lot of those in a long time. It reminded me of that anyway. That stupid fucked up looking alien (laughs) queen. Yeah. I'm going to look up which one that was. I'm going to show you and you're going to fucking agree with me. (laughs) Oh, I I don't doubt that one bit, man. As much shit as we've seen, it makes sense. Anyway, yeah, we got the reveal. I wasn't expecting that shit. I know that is so crazy. I mean, the sister, what, what happens is, uh, too, Sid winds up taking a, a trip out to the facility, the research facility, happens to come across Emily's files, Madison's files, that is, and she finds those tapes, right? I know we've already said that what she, what she witnesses, but that's also what leads them to discover the unknown Jane Doe, who she is, what her connection is, and that's Serena May. Yeah. And we learned that that's Madison's mom. So the woman who got kidnapped, abducted, is her birth mother, who they thought was supposed to have died in childbirth, which is fucked up. So after we learn all that stuff, the reveal of Gabriel as that parasitic twin, then the mom upstairs, she winds up getting out of her bondage, and she winds up crashing the fucking attic through the ceiling. And there's uh, that leads Madison to get arrested. And then she gets put in the holding cell, and that's where shit really starts to pop off now. It's not even remotely the same, but, like, the mom fucking crashing through and, like, that crazy of a reveal. <laughs> it weirdly reminded me of Martyrs. A little bit. Of, like, finding, like, it was like, the same the sort of deal of being, like, holy shit, there is a secret fucking chamber underneath the house is the same sort of deal. Like, yeah. holy fuck, somebody just fell through the fucking ceiling. Like, There might have been at least, I know at least one, maybe two kind of shots he used to establish the importance of the attic in the house. And that was from outside shots. Because mm. for me, I think it was the perspective he was shooting them at. He was, some of the shots were shot at ground level. 
Some were shot a little bit higher. And I think he was trying to tell us that there's somebody in that fucking house. <laughs> like there's the house itself is a character. There it's important to the story. It's yes. not just happenstance, like, oh, this is just a place to where all this shit happened. No, it's important. So anyway, Madison is locked up. She starts to get picked on as a princess. And at the same time, <laughs> with all these reveals going on, you know, who Serena is and all this other shit, Madison starts getting beat up by these fucking women. And she's getting bludgeoned in the back of her head. And that causes her to go into, quote unquote, that seizure state where Gabriel comes out. That thing, the newborn, sorry. Damn, it does look a lot like it. Yeah, if you took away the body and just the head. I don't think it was technically one of the queens. But but still, that's fucking eerily similar. That's pretty good. I was like, motherfucker, I know it reminded me of something. (laughs) The newborn was from Alien Resurrection, and it wasn't a queen, but it was like the final boss. Like In Resurrection, Ripley kills the queen, but then there's still the newborn, which was a human-alien hybrid. Uh, Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But still. Something like that. But it looks eerily similar. My long-winded story was this, is once Gabriel gets awakened in the holding cell, that's where I know, like, man, this fucking movie is... This movie, how does it turn into an action horror? That was amazing. Like A pretty decent action horror. It was. Gabriel went the fuck off on those women in that holding cell. Just went to town. Like, I wasn't expecting any of the gore and blood. Even though it had been established earlier. Like, they're not afraid to go that route. But I wasn't expecting it right there in that holding cell. Yo, that holding cell, even before shit went crazy, was James Wan having fun. Like, one of the girls looked straight out of the 70s. Like, Man, you know he was having fun with that stuff. The aesthetic felt a lot like the 80s. Yes. Even though it was modern day. Yeah, I like mean, obviously the car, modern day. Like, the house, you could say 70s, 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. all the way through, I think 70s, 80s is the influence, the time period for him with cinema, probably horror. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I want to show you what I can do with that. Holy fuck, Gabriel going off is cool. Yeah. There's oh, parts cool. I didn't like the CGI smoothing. Yeah, but I, mean, I get it. On the other side of things that Juan does, like, away from horror, he's becoming more and more known for how well he does, like, kinetic, smooth-flowing action. I do feel like it was kind of forced, not so much in the holding cell, but a a little bit later on. Yeah, I know Um, what you're saying there. Especially, like, in the main part of the precinct. Completely agree with that. Because it does. It feels... I mean, you know, it's CG. Yeah. Like... The choreography is inventive it's as good. fuck. It's really good. It is super cool. And so I understand why he wanted to show it so much. And I'm usually like a giant sucker for long cuts on, especially like up close fighty type action. Yeah, yeah. So you can see the choreography. Mm, some of the CG smoothing was rough in this. Yeah. It's quick. It's but sudden. it's doable. It- Got the point across. Yeah. It did. Because its intention is just slaughter. We heard to slaughter people. Holy fuck, it's so cool. Man, and did it. It delivered on the goods there. Because I even heard another co-worker, not directly but indirectly from another co-worker of ours, that Mr. Eddie mm. enjoyed the gore aspect. Like, I don't think he was anticipating that, but he appreciated it. It's just like, all right. I can get down with that. So in, when Gabriel does the reveal, 
of himself in the holding cell. Were you thinking dead alive? A little bit. Like the pulling out of the fucking face and shit. I'm saying a little bit. You can see those influences for sure. Also, there's some 90s influence in this. That might end up being my answer for best kill over on one of the other podcasts. Man, that's that pretty gnarly. I'm, I'm going to, yeah, different podcast I do, I'm going to end up getting asked some horror questions. and That's a good one, man. I might go with that dead alive kill. Yeah, and you have to show them for reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe, well, I'm, I'm honestly, just because we talked about it just like a month ago, I'm considering the fucking Adam Chaplin punching somebody so hard against oh a wall that they fucking splat. <laughs> uh, yeah, just <laughs> pancake against the wall. Jesus, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gabriel goes off on those women in the holding cell, picks up the main blonde-haired lady, and uses her as a shield while a cop is pulling the trigger on her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God damn. Makes the cop pay for doing that, gets the keys, gets out, goes in the precinct, goes to town, Matrix-style on those fucking cops. There were some pretty brutal deaths, even though it was CG. It still looked good. Got the point across. At this point, Madison is, she still thinks she's in the holding cell, like visually. Like, she's Dude, controlled, of course. The precinct fight, I fucking lost it at the end when Gabriel threw the fucking chair to hit the detective. Dude, that was ridiculous. <laughs> if it wasn't already ridiculous enough, the, yeah, Kakoa and fucking Regina leaving because they're already fucked up. He got his arm fucked up good. I was surprised at. I thought it was snapped, but it, it wasn't. I think he just, she fucked him up or it fucked him up. I was surprised at how fucked up they got. Because yeah, Morris, Morris gets it across the good. fucking gut real good. She's lucky she didn't get disemboweled. Yeah. I, I kind of thought she was about to. I did too. But I'm glad they didn't because you need those kind of characters yeah. to, to stick around. They weren't bad characters. No, no. You know, they did their job. But the chair smash, then Gabriel escaping that moment because now he's heading back to the hospital. Well, the, I was about to say, the chair smash actually led into one of the other things I laughed the hardest at, which was the exploding pacemaker. That was fucked up, wasn't it? He's like, oh, my heart. Just because it was so inventive, and we know that, like, Gabriel has the electricity thing. Yeah, it's I do think the electricity thing is used kind of wonkily in this movie. Yeah. But I mean, whatever. Yeah, it's like, we, we know what, what it means. <coughs> it's been established. Mm-hmm. It's okay. But you're right, Sid is, I mean, she's piecing shit together, too, right? Yeah, the guard, his pacemaker explodes on him. That was fucked up. And then when the power kind of jolts back on, there stands fucking Gabriel. And you're like, oh, shit, because dropping some truth on her. It's like, you know, he feels as Madison picked Sydney over him, and they're not even blood-related, not even real siblings. So he's pissed. He's got to uh, tie that connection. He's mm-hmm. got to end it, right? So it's fucked up. He flips the bed on her, one of the beds. I'm like, God damn, that would have crushed her legs. And pulls that gun out on her. I'm like, damn. All right, so this is where I thought it got really interesting because the whole time they're trying to snap Madison out of it. Yeah. I kind of saw this bit coming as soon as yeah. he flipped the bed at her, but I was, it was one of those things where I was kind of glad they played it that way because I didn't feel that Sydney needed to die in this movie. No, 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 no. She was even a good though character. I saw it coming. Like I'm like I'm fine with this. Yeah, because I still get to see it play out. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm getting at too. Because they gave us both. They yeah. at least gave us both, and they gave us the happy ending. Yes. Right. Which I'm still appreciative of the fact that they gave us the what could have been like a what the fuck ending for real. Yo, because yeah. 
even with the rampage through the precinct, I was still kind of expecting the gory discretion shot on Sydney. Yeah. Not that we would just Whew. like see her get her fucking brains blown across the side of the fucking wall. <laughs> that is, I, you gotta admit, that's pretty ballsy for a mainstream movie. Yeah. What the fuck? And then snuffing out the mom in the mm-hmm. bed. And But that's not what happens. That's what Gabriel thinks is happening because Madison's finally made the switch. She's regained control of herself. And this is where I thought cleverly, if you're, if you want to read into it this way, you could say this is also kind of a feminist tell mm. of a woman regaining control of her, yeah. her facility, her, her body, uh, regaining autonomy, mm-hmm. essentially, you know, which is interesting use of a male character who's dominating her in that essence, her mind, her body, her, so I'm thinking, I wonder, too, because there's a lot of women that are focal points in this film, you know? Yeah. So I wonder if that's maybe a little bit of a critique as well. Maybe, you know, just make it a little bit more modern. I don't I mean, know. it worked. It's not something I was even really thinking of during the movie. No, it's but it kind of like... made me, just because of some of the shit she was saying while she was in that state and, mm-hmm. you know, putting him in a mental prison and... Like say regaining control of herself. Gabriel does kind of go out like a little bitch at the end. He does, but you kind of get it. But they also kind of warn, like he's like, "I'll be back." She's like, "I know, I'll be ready." Yeah, or something along those lines. Makes which me okay, look. So she shouldn't be necessarily held responsible for what Gabriel did. They have like medical evidence at this point that Gabriel is a separate entity from her. They can't remove Gabriel without killing her. We've all seen what Gabriel can do and arguably might not even be the limit of his powers. Like, it's kind of fucked up to say, but she's kind of too dangerous to be left alive, much less like walking around free at this point, right? Yeah, because... Like, if I'm the government and I find out about her, like, CIA is fucking taking her out somewhere. Dude. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's kind of fucked up to say, but... But that's what happens, man. I'm sorry. That's the reality of it. If you have a parasitic twin attached to your brain that has literal fucking superpowers. Some, someone's going to research a, that or want is wanting to do that. And took out an entire fucking cop precinct. Sorry. With like, a charm. Like, no big deal. Yeah. What? <laughs> we can't have that shit going around. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You're right. It's too dangerous. She's too dangerous. As fucked up as this sound. I was like, man, can you imagine being in a relationship with her and finding out she's got that parasitic twin in the back of her head like Shit. that? Right? Derek might have gotten off easy. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking about that. Like her sister said, Sid, Yo, she's he like, kind of might have gotten off easy because I, like, I don't think she snapped that next no, slow. No, <laughs> I was like, so I was being super facetious because I think Sydney summed it up well. She's like. Nobody deserves the way he died, but fuck Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's that. But I don't think we talked about it a lot, but the score, I felt, did a really good job of creating the atmosphere. It's good. It intensifies when it needs to. It doesn't always do what I pointed out earlier, yeah. but I could not get away from how close it sounds to fucking Hello Zap. <laughs> there was a song I did enjoy. I was like, man, this sounds... A lot like Brian Ferry. Mm. And it was. There was a sequence, I think, where she's going into the second, like that switch that happens where she's seen the doctor die. But it's like, okay, there's that. That was cool. But I like the score. I thought the cinematography was really well shot. You know, a lot of nods to the color schemes and palettes of Giallos. We didn't really talk about it, especially because I, I 
It's very lightly hinted at, though I do feel like it is intentionally hinted at in this movie. I do like how the first half of this movie kind of tries to like play up the fact that these doctors might be sinister themselves. Yeah. And then you just realize that, nah, they were just having to deal with some fucked up shit. Yeah, I mean... But and I gotta, I might have to go back and just. I don't know if I'm gonna. I enjoyed this movie. I don't think I need to watch it three times in one week. But when I was doing just a little bit of research beforehand, I did see somebody mention that I guess in one of the scenes with young Sydney, if you pay attention in the background, there's a little boy who's making some blocks float. Mm. So there might have been something going on. That those doctors were involved in, but it's the uh, proto or pre X Men. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking, but no, I didn't catch that. And if that's the case, that's implying some shit. But for the most part, you find out that no, they're pretty much just doctors. They were just having to yeah, deal with th- a those, super fucked up situation. Right, the doctors themselves. I don't think they had any sinister intentions. Yeah, they were just like, what the fuck? How do you deal with this? This thing is gonna kill us all if we don't control it. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, cut out the cancer. So, James Wan, Lee Wanell, they're making their names very well known. I think they're doing Australia a very good job of representing mm-hmm. the country and horror and just film in general. You know, with the additional, I know you've kind of uh, talked about her indirectly, but even with the Babadook and stuff like that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Australia's making his name known. In film, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Jennifer Kent, too, I'm alluding to, so. No, I think this flick was fucking fantastic. It's a lot really. of fun, man. I was thoroughly surprised. The whole fucking basket case thing, it gave me a lot of respect for this film already. Like, you know, outside of how it could have ended or whatever, the Giallo basket case, score, color, I was happy with it. Yep. Look, I've brought up fucking high tension a couple of times now. Yeah. Because I, I do feel like, like, <laughs> You're right. I said, it's it high does. tension, except we get to see how it happened. Is Derek getting his neck snapped that bad? Maybe a call out? Perhaps, dude. To the fucking... Dude, yeah. Could be. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, man. It really wouldn't. Consider what we've already mentioned, mm-hmm. how many different references we've already seen. That are kind of obvious. Like the Raimi quick cuts. Super. Especially because yeah. it's not used any other time in the movie. Oh, that's okay. Not that I can think of. Not that I'm aware of. I mean, maybe, but... So you get that quick shout-out, like, here you go, Raimi. I see you. I see you, bro. (laughs) Loved Evil Dead, brother. Yeah, that's okay, man. Huge influence. Mm Mm-hmm. I also just want to say go watch this movie. Man, I know. Like, if you haven't yet, if you listen through to all of this and you still just haven't watched it, like, go fucking watch it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that is hard to, you know, verbally describe to you without it. you actually seeing it visually. It just, it won't do it justice. We can try to illustrate it as best we can, but... It's a film worth watching. It gets bonkers, and I like it. Maybe my favorite modern mainstream. Or almost definitely my favorite modern mainstream. Yeah, I'd say up to this point, it was definitely a surprise to me. I don't know what I want to count as mainstream, I guess. but Right, but I would say it's a huge contender for... It's up there. Yeah, for Top like three. more modern mainstream <laughs> films that we've seen. I mean, there's some films that did make the mainstream that I do enjoy. But I still think they would get lumped into like art house and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, even though it was shown in big theaters. But regardless, this one's really good. This one's definitely a contender. 
we haven't figured out next week, did we? No. And uh, fun thing is, is we're approaching Halloween on top of it, so we're getting close. It's spooky season. It's yeah, always it spooky is. season here, but it's <laughs> always. like getting spooky season for everybody. It's getting spookier, so. yeah. So we're going to go figure that out. And, you know, I'm just going to plug it again. If you sign up to our Patreon, because we'll have it figured out by the time I drop the episode, you'll know what we're doing next week. Yeah, you can chat with us while we're discussing the film. Then you'll know. Exactly. We'll be like, oh, yo, we figured it out. We're doing, I'm not going to say anything right now. but Yeah, (laughs) whatever it is. Yeah, fill in the blanks. But, yeah, you could be smoking with us. You could be sipping on whatever you like. Whatever you enjoy, let us know. Some scissor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, maybe even you could give us some suggestions, some recommendations as well, because we take those just as well. Ooh, with that in mind, I might have an idea. We're nice. going to go talk about this. For this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Out. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe, however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us, however you're listening to us or preferably over on Apple Podcasts. That'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. Not going to give you all those ads. So, with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.